you say You're throwing your gloves in the cage And you're walking away But why? You could do just one more And whoever it is, they will die Now I'm sad Dana must make an arrangement for you to come back This is making me mad Remember, despite our estrangement, you're the man. You'll be back, soon you'll see. You'll come back and you'll fight GSP. You'll be back, time will tell. You'll remember that they pay you well. Champions rise, champions fall. At 155 you beat them all And when push comes to shove I will send a fully armed Kadir off To remind you of my love da 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 Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast, the podcast for the above-average MMA fan hosted by an above-average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice, and I'm back, baby. Yeah. Did you miss me? Probably not, but I'm here anyway. First off, um, in case you missed it, the reason why I was off last week is because I was focusing on another project. And uh, that project was my new theater podcast called Breaking the Fourth Wall. And it went incredibly well. So, uh, moving forward, I will be alternating weeks between these two podcasts. Uh, unless I am able to record more of Breaking the Fourth Wall in advance, enough that I can do consecutive um, FWM episodes. But I don't think that's going to happen, just because uh, I don't have a lot of time. So... Uh, thank you for everyone that uh, listened to that podcast. If you searched it on like Apple Podcasts or uh, Google Podcasts or whatever your favorite app is, and you only saw episode zero, that is because the episode one where I covered Hades Town is only available on Spotify because Anchor has this great new tool that I found out about uh, where you can add music to the show. Um, but when you do that, because of licensing reasons, it is only available on Spotify. And I thought that maybe you would only hear the music on Spotify, and then if you listened on another platform, it would just not play the song, which is like, uh, I wrote it in such a way that it would still flow without the songs. Like, I didn't see, like, I didn't be like, now listen to this. Like, I just kind of put it in there. And uh, apparently, no, you can only listen on Spotify. So if you wanted to hear my thoughts on that show, uh, which... I, I did it more for people that haven't heard about the show. So even if you haven't, um, let me make you fall in love with it. Um, now, uh, beyond that, uh, I did make a bonus episode of this show in case you missed it, uh, where my friend Leo and I, uh, well, I should say I got drunk. Leo was completely sober, at least for the most part. Um, I got completely drunk and um, we recapped the Ortega card and, uh, we gave our picks for UFC 254. Um, I can't remember if I <laughs> um, gave a lot of picks on the, on that episode, other than mostly like previewed the card. But um, on the uh, fight pick championship that I'm a part of, 
I got all the winners right for that because it's only the main card. Um, then pick the prelims, but I got all the winners right. But you have to pick also the round in the fashion, and I was um, a little bit more conservative with my guesses. Like I thought Volkov would would win a decision. He obviously stopped Walt Harris, um, and then Ankalaev and Phil Haas. I thought they would get. Um, KOs in the second and third round, respectively, and they both uh, did it in the first round. So, uh, and yeah, and who saw a submission coming from Lauren Murphy like that? Well, obviously Yugi did. Shout out to my man Yugi posting his fucking bets. I love that shit. And anyone else does it, I'm like, oh, shut up. But whenever Yugi does it, I'm like, yeah, go ahead, man. <laughs> you fucking flex on these nerds. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So, but but I had all the winners correct in that, which is you know, love that for me. I think I got fourth overall. There's like 15 people in it. I was like fourth or fifth place. Well, I should say overall. I meant for the week. Um, overall, um, your boy is not doing too well. I'm like fourth or fifth from the bottom. But I'm still ahead of most of the... Well, that's not true. Fuck. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, dude. Um, I wanted to talk about some of the stories to emerge from this card. I haven't done that in a while because there uh, haven't been like, you know, a lot of stories to talk about other than just recapping the fights themselves but we had a lot of interesting talking points surrounding this card which i want to uh, give my thoughts on um so we're not going to go over every fight and if there's uh something you want to cover you know or having my thoughts on like feel free to tweet at me um but the first one i want to talk about is miranda maverick um she is an exciting young prospect obviously she won that uh invicta one night tournament which, you know, love that, love uh, places, you know, promotions doing one-night tournaments again. That's fucking great. We need more of that in MMA. Dude, Invicta is so much better than most other promotions when you, when you think about what they're doing with, like, implementing open scoring, which, uh, you know, it, it's controversial. It's not, like, you know, the best thing, but at least they're trying, and they're at least, you know, trying to do it. And... um and the one-on tournaments. So shout out to Invicta. Uh, but Miranda Maverick was fighting um, Jojua, and I think um, Jojua is a is a great prospect in her own right. You know, I think they called her the armbar queen. I was actually expecting Jojua to get it done here, but fucking Miranda Maverick had those nasty elbows, dude. Wow. She really pretty much like Jojua didn't have anything for Miranda. I love it. And I also love that her name is Maverick. It's not a nickname. It's just cool. Miranda Maverick. <sighs> love that. Big fan of Miranda Maverick, even though I've just seen her one fight in UFC. <laughs> and I just heard about her in Victor Run. But yeah, uh, looking forward to um, hearing, uh, seeing more from her. Um, she did do an interview with the homie Headkick Audio, which was very interesting. So go check that out. Uh, I retweeted it, but you can also just search Headkick Audio on Twitter. I mean, you'll find it. Or YouTube, you know, Headkick Audio, Miranda Maverick. Uh, and I got to say, dude, and, and this is no, I mean, I guess it is a little disrespectful, but, you know, just in my opinion, like Stefan Struve is a massive disappointment. And um, there are some Stefan Struve fans that listen to this show, and I don't mean to, like, rag on your boy. And uh, sometimes I, I see Stefan Struve and I'm like, dude, he's overcome so much. Like, he had that... Um, heart problem and um, he's had layoffs and things like that where he wanted to compete but he couldn't and he thought he would have to like stop his whole career 
So the fact that he's in here at all is is awesome. But when you think about the potential of a guy who is seven foot tall, I mean, I guess technically 6'11 or like 6'11 and a half, depending on how you measure, but bro, he's fucking seven foot tall. And to have a John Jones style reach, I don't mean style, I mean like he has the same exact reach as John Jones, 84 inches, he's 84 inch reach. And the man fights like a flyweight in terms of how he uses the reach, which is to say not at all. Uh, in terms of gas tank, I mean, definitely a heavyweight, you know, speed wise, whatever, he's definitely heavyweight, but um, he doesn't, he could fucking p- put his foot up and like throw teeps and front kicks and they would never be able to close the fucking distance. The guy has massive legs and he's just like, yeah, do you want to come inside? Go ahead. Uh, no, just, just no. But it sucks, dude, and I'm uh, I'm so excited to see Tai Tuivasa back at the UFC. Got that shoey, which was so gross, dude. I'm not like a hater of the shoey. Um, there's a lot of people that um, hate it for no reason. Uh, well, not no reason, but I mean, like pre-pandemic, I was all about the shoey. I'm like, yeah, dude, you're a fucking animal. Do whatever you want. Don't have people spit on it, though. For sure, don't do that. Like, you just essentially made out with those people for me to do a shoe it would have to be a fresh shoe like the idea of drinking from a shoe is not that like crazy but it's drinking from a used shoe it's it's the idea of like an impromptu like yeah man take off my shoe and then what's that guy gonna do put a fucking put on a sopping wet beer shoe right afterward are you kidding me I just got a great idea for a new product, which I'm not going to talk about on the podcast. Um, that's awesome. Anyway, Stefan Struve is a massive disappointment, but congratulations to Taito Ivasa. Um, and the next thing that I want to talk about is Magomed Ankalaev is a future champ. I'm calling it right here. And I'm not going to turn into some like nut hugger or whatever. You're not going to hear me pick him against like, uh, or, you know, like if they're throwing him in a title fight right now, I don't know if I would pick him. Uh, and I'm not gonna, you know, I don't know. I just think he's super fucking exciting and very talented, and his ceiling is very high. You know, I could see him getting a title fight next year. You know, if he has one or two more fight, well, I guess depending upon these Corona fights, how quickly they can put him on. But if he has at least one more fight this year, and then two more fights in the beginning of next year. He could earn himself a fucking title shot. That's how good this kid is. Because think about how he came into the UFC. He debuted against Paul Craig. It was a 15-minute fight, which was stopped at three minutes, or sorry, four minutes and 59 seconds of the third round. So with one second left to go in the fight. But for four minutes and 50 seconds, he was dominating every second of that fight. Four minutes and 50 seconds of the third round and the first two rounds as well. He was dominating every second of the first two rounds and of the third round until the 10-second clacker. He's He has Paul up against the cage. He's landing some ground and pound. He Paul hears the 10-second clacker, throws up a triangle, and it's tight, dude. And Ankalaev taps with one second left to go. He just had to hang on for one second, and the, round, and the fight would have been his. So Paul Craig, Paul Craig, Paul Craig 
set a record for the latest finish in a three-round fight that night, which was that later tied by Leon Edwards against Peter Sabata, I believe, which was weird. So, but then he comes back and fights Marcin Pracnio, KOs the fuck out of him. Then he fights Klitson Abreu. Klitson survives, and it's a unanimous decision. He then fights Dalcha Longjambula, sends him to the fucking shadow realm, yo. If you haven't watched that knockout, it is a thing of beauty. But then he fights Iwan Kutsalaba, and we were robbed, or I should say he was robbed, of a clean victory because Kevin McDonald and Iwan Kutalaba fucked it up. Iwan played possum, which, as I said at the time, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. That deserved to be a win for him, uh, for, for Magomed, but it was a fucking weird stoppage and definitely premature, but it was not going his way, and they had to run it back. So then he spends the next, uh, let's see, that was in February? It was February 29th. October 24th was last night's card. So he spends eight months preparing for this guy again. And along the way, they had to keep rescheduling because of COVID and other injuries. It's like, move on. But I guess he really wanted to put that definitive stamp on it. And look what happened. The same shit. But worse. He knocked him out clean, dude. I just think, take a look at the top 15 of light heavyweight. There's not many names on that list that I would be say would be a clear favorite to beat Magomed Ankalaev. I really wouldn't. Like I said, maybe, maybe Jan right now. And that's only because I, you know, Jan has come leaps and bounds. Um, and he impressed the fuck out of me with that Reyes fight. If they said, if let, let's say that didn't happen, right? And they just made Reyes the champion for some fucking reason or whatever. Or they said, you know what, Jan, you got to win one more before we give you a title fight. Let's give you Magomed Ankalaev. And we didn't see that fight with Reyes. I would probably say, oh, Magomed's going to kill him. That's 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 where I'm at. But I guess moving on because um, I'm not going to sit here and be a, uh, one of those guys that just hugs the nuts of the Dagestani people for no reason. Okay. Um, <laughs> this next thing, we have to talk about this. I cannot talk about this. And this is, again, with all due respect because she recently beat my favorite fighter. And, um, you know, it was close. But she got the decision and, you know, she had nothing but nice things to say about her. But Laura Murphy saying she's the most well-rounded fighter on the roster or one of the most well-rounded is a fucking complete joke. I, I will spit my drink out, dude. She was like, I'm not only the most well-rounded fighter in this division, but possibly in the whole roster. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like, you just got your first submission victory. It's like, I remember when I had my first beer. I remember when I had my first beer, Lauren Murphy. <laughs> Come on. You kidding me with this? Is this is this the next challenger for Valentina Shevchenko? A literal spy? A literal spy. 
working for the the Kyrgyzstan government. I also made that up just in case anyone decides to come after me, especially with my fucking <laughs> Kadyrov lyric in the uh, intro. <laughs> oh, dude, it's going to be a long fucking episode. Uh, this episode is brought to you by depression. Uh, speaking of depression, the MMA gods don't want us to be happy. Why can't we just have a nice Walt Harris win, huh? Why can't we just have a nice Walt Harris win on the anniversary or so close to the anniversary of when she went missing? When his his stepdaughter, Anaya Blanchard, went missing. Why can't we just have a, a clean Walt Harris KO like we used to have? Remember those days? Remember when he fucking flatlined Alexia Linick in 12 seconds? Remember when he beat the brakes off Sergei Spivak in like 50 seconds? And yeah, I get Volkov is is a much better striker than those guys. But fuck, he hit him right in the goddamn bread basket. And, oh. I'm going to go on a limit. I'm not saying it would have affected the fight, but I think that might have been a pre- premature stoppage. I know it's like a controversial take. And I, and I think that, you know, I, I, th- I think it's like the uh, the sanhagen Morais fight in a way because, you know, th- there was a case to be made, you know, and some people did make this case that you could have let it go a little bit longer. But if you did, I don't think it would have made a difference. I just I always wanted like a definitive button on the stoppage. Like Ronda Rousey, Amanda Nunes. Ronda was not getting out of there. But like, let the bitch hit the floor. Like, give us that. Like, let Amanda land that one extra clean blow. And fucking, I don't know. Herb definitely saved Ronda there. But uh, just in terms of what actually happened, I do think, uh, you know... You could have let it go a little bit longer. But, you know, kudos to Volkov. And kudos to him for um, for trying to speak English. And, well, he did. But, uh, you know, he kind of stumbled through it. But, you know, I always love that. I always love when people try. Um, I'll, I'll, take, uh, I'll take broken English over a translator any day. Especially when they um, just go so fast and you know the translator missed some of it. And what he did maybe wasn't even a direct interpretation or, or like, conveying the actual, like, energy. So... Love that. Love every second of it. And uh, here's something that might be a hard pill to swallow. Uh, Might not be. You might agree with me. But uh, Robert Whitaker is the best middleweight not named Israel Adesanya. That's it. And I I was, uh, you know, somewhat high on Cannoneer. You know, I did think he could get it done against Robert Whitaker. And I thought that was a very interesting matchup and it needed to happen. However, the closer the fight got, I was like, dude, this is fucking Rob Whitaker, dude. This is Rob fucking Whitaker. Bobby Knuckles, the Reaper. And I have to get all my nice things out now because when they inevitably book the rematch with Izzy, I'm going to have to fight y'all again. I'm going to have to fight anyone that thinks Rob is going to beat Izzy. I fucking commented on Phil the MMA Dude's post, yo, from my theater podcast account, so nobody saw it. Phil had this tweet that was like, what does Robert Whitaker have to do, or what can he do differently in the rematch? And I said, lose faster. I'm such a piece of shit. 
<laughs> I'm so glad Chelsea Diesel doesn't listen to this podcast. She will. She would hate me. <laughs> All right, yo. Moving on. But no, not moving on. I have a little bit more to say. He shut Jared the fuck down. And I saw so many tweets, and, and obviously they were pumping it up in the broadcast about his like heavyweight power. Like, the guy's not got that heavyweight, dude. Uh, yeah. You know who else fought at heavyweight? Dan Hooker. You know who else fought at heavyweight? Uh, some guy in Combate Americas who now fights at featherweight. Like, uh, it's not hard. Like, they all start out around that weight. And if you're just fighting and you want to fight, you sometimes fight at heavyweight. Um, obviously, it's different for for Jared Cannonier, and he was kind of finding his optimal weight. And he, you know, fought some at two hundred five, and kind of went down gradually. But don't give me this fucking shit about he has knockouts at heavyweight. That ain't shit, yo. Robert Whitaker almost killed him. <laughs> Fuck y'all. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> don't turn it off yet. I still have more to say. <laughs> Qanon in ears. Uh, he's done. <laughs> I think I'm just happy because all my picks were right. Um, I definitely, uh, I was on the fence on that one. I'm not going to lie. Um, but it, like I said, the closer I got, especially after talking with Rhino, I think, because Rhino was like, dude, if Kennedy or beats Rob, I'm going to be talking shit. I'm going to pick him against, uh, <laughs> I'm going to pick him against Izzy. And I was like, no, you're fucking not, dude. I got a Kennedy or Voodoo doll ready to go. I got Kennedy or Voodoo doll on deck. And, uh, I think my voodoo doll worked. I'll just say that. But finally, we get to the main event, and uh, I've got a lot to say about this. You know, on paper, as far as the skill set and the challenges that Gaethje presents, um, this was his toughest task. Again, on paper, before the fight. Toughest test, rather. Toughest uh, opponent, toughest challenge, what have you. But it didn't look like it. He made it look easy. Shouts to one of those uh, Habib troll accounts who predicted this right. It was like, oh, he went five rounds with Al, four rounds with Connor, three rounds with Poirier. So second round finish it is. And I was like, damn, that's a fucking good point. I think they called the triangle too. But you know how those Habib troll accounts are. Like, you know, they just say things and like usually they're right because it's Habib. You know, but they just say things. Um... But yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this because, um, you know, leading up to the fight, uh, I kind of made peace with the fact that they both support uh, terrible le- leaders. You know, Khabib is uh, Khadirov's boy, Khadirov's boy. And um, if you don't know about the terrible atrocities that that man has committed um, uh, against human rights, look up Khadirov gay cleanse. Ugh! You know, and he supports it. And again, and there's a lot of people that say like, oh, yeah, you can't just uh, like say no to a dictator like that. You can't uh, you can't just, um, uh, you know, say, oh, I don't support you or whatever. You know, he'll fucking find your family or whatever. Yeah, but he pretty seems pretty enthusiastic about some of the fucking beliefs. OK, like that video of 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 Habib uh, doing like some Q&A and this sweet, sweet girl. Um says what advice would you give to an mma fighter starting out a female mma fighter and he goes finish your husband in the bedroom oh you fuck so yeah habib is very problematic 
and and Gaethje now coming out as a Trump supporter, I'm like, all right, let's let's hope for a double KO. Let's let these pieces of shit knock out each other. But I gotta say, if you're one of those people that um, takes that stuff out of it and just focuses on the fight, that's fine. And if we do that, we'll have to do that for a second. This was high level MMA at its best. Um, complete domination. Uh, Gaethje, you know, I think two of the two of the judges gave him the first round. Um, I didn't really score the fight. I was just hoping for something beautiful to happen, which it did. So um, Gaethje had some success early, but by the end of that round, Khabib was 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 turning it around. I mean, there was no there 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 was nothing that Gaethje could do that was going to uh, intimidate Khabib. And that mounted triangle, yo, disrespectful as fuck, dude. I'm pretty sure when uh, I, I'm pretty sure I said the same thing when Dustin Poirier got the mounted triangle finish over Max Holloway in their first fight. Like that kind of submission is just fucking disrespectful because you have to like force it on them. It's not really opportunistic. I mean, you have to get the mount and everything like that, but you force your way into it by wrapping the leg around. Uh, just fucking disrespectful. And it's like vintage Habib. If you look at some of his early fights, I've I've watched a few videos. Um, he used to do that. He would like have guys back and then he would roll into the triangle. He would like climb over the top and spin around and let them fall into the triangle. It's like beautiful stuff to watch. Uh, so Khabib is talent, you know. And now I think we can appreciate him for what he was, which is one of the best fighters to ever grace the octagon and i'm not going to sit here and, and be a part of the goat conversation which is so fucking asinine and there's no point to it so you know you can sit here and talk about legacy and how many title defenses he had and well how many former champs he dismantled and whatever bullshit you know contrived arguments you can come up with to discredit his accomplishments the the man retired at 29 and 0 um that's basically unprecedented he stepped into a fist fight 29 times he never had to see his own blood uh he never had to ice a black eye Mm, like what more do you want (laughs) so i would like to to now look back on the career of Habib in a somewhat fond light. Again, I'm always going to mention the ties to Khadirov. I'm always going to mention the shitty things he said. I'm always going to mention him uh, paying a homeless man to do push-ups. Uh, just things that are just fucking terrible. Um, and, and and then you start getting into like a game of like, oh, well, other people did worse things. And like, yeah, it's fucking exhausting calling out every single bad thing that everyone does. I try to do it. Honestly, I do. Uh, because that kind of shit is important to me. And I, and I don't want to be super like, dude, I w- was a fucking massive fan of, of Aljamain Sterling. I love what he represents. Um, I love the way he talks in interviews. I love the way he fights. Um, seeing him come back from getting knocked out from Marlon Moraes to go on this incredible win streak has just been nothing short of incredible. He's funny as fuck. Uh, but then he he tweeted out that Trump won the debate. And I was like, you're a piece of shit. And that's it, dude. I'm washing my hands of Aljo. That's how little it takes for me. So, yeah. That's where we go from here. 
Um, so now let's let's take a quick break and we'll get into some news. And we're back. What I'd like to now talk about is Danielle Nickerson, um, formerly known as the Platinum Princess. Now I believe she's going by Diamond D. Uh, I like that uh, a lot better, actually. So uh, let's stick with it. But either way, she is the ex-wife of one Mike Perry. And she has come forward with some pretty specific and pretty horrific domestic violence allegations against Mike Perry. And she's chosen to share her story with MMA Junkie. And um, this deserves a lot of care and attention. And I don't know that I am equipped to properly handle it. But I wanted to frame it that way to just give some thoughts because I don't want to not talk about it. We have to talk about it. And the fact that she came forward now versus then does not change the validity or the weight of the things she's saying. And if you are one of the people that are questioning her I don't know, the honesty of it or anything based on the time that she chose to share it. Take a hard look in the mirror and then take a step back and literally fuck your own face. Literally fuck your own face. Okay? Because that is the only thing that is going to be useful in this situation. And if you are one of those nasty men who left comments saying, oh, well, she's into bad boys. She should have known this was coming. Grow the fuck up. Drink your own puke. Grab a glass, the biggest glass you can find. Stick your fingers down your throat until you tickle your uvula and activate your gag reflex and throw up into that glass and then drink it, you piece of shit. Watch that whole video. It's horrifying. Listen to the audio of the 911 call when she had to flee to Mike Perry's mom and and the mom said she was fearful for her life. It's just it's just despicable. And I think we have to call out domestic violence as it happens. When I say that, I'm not saying that she has to speak up, you know, Victims and and survivors of of domestic abuse can share their story whenever, dude. If you were a victim of any sort of sexual assault or or domestic violence, and it happened ten years ago, and you never told anybody, say something, and 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 don't give a fuck that it's late. It needs to be heard. It's just I, I I can't even process this right now, and I'm just I'm just angry that it's being met with any sort of backlash, and and yeah, it's it's partially met with with support. The outpouring of love that she's received from from a portion of the community is great, and we need more of that. But what I mean is this, and I and I want to give a shout out to Rory of Threadhead Media, the boss man, for his incredible tweet uh, on this situation, which is saying that you know we as Men need to be like calling out our fucking friends who associate with that sort of thing and check these motherfuckers that are saying this bullshit. Uh, especially the fake accounts, dude. I didn't see anyone with a face 
say anything negative about Danielle Nickerson. It was all these faceless cucks who are maybe beating their own significant others if they even have them. Just gross. Just gross, fucking nasty people, dude. Um, but Rory was saying we have to be checking our friends. If, if, Hey, my friends are like family. The friends that I have in real life, um, you know, they, they, they're my family. Uh, when I got married, I couldn't pick a best man. I pretended that I was going to do it at random. I wrote the word best man on an envelope. Uh, well, I did it. I actually wrote best man onto, uh, I think, seven envelopes. Seven, is, I think, is the number of best men that I had. And I told them that they were all just groomsmen, but I was going to pick one. I said, I've written best man on a, one of these envelopes. And they all opened them at the same time. And I said, okay, raise your hand if you're the best man. And they all raised their hand. They were all the best man. Because they're like family. But if one of those dudes, if I find out they're beating their fucking wife or girlfriend, I'm going to beat the shit out of them. That's it. That's fucking it. That's it. And if you are listening to this and you questioned the validity of Daniel Nickerson's story, please expose yourself so that I can trash you. Okay? And then, as I said, drink your own vomit. That's very important. Um, maybe make a, a stew out of your own feces and eat that. Um, also, literally fuck your own face. And the next thing I have to say, and we'll put that to bed for now because I don't think I can put together anything that would do anything justice. Um, I'm actually waiting. Well, no, I'm not waiting because I don't know what I was going to say there, but leave Kevin Lee alone. <laughs> I'm about to turn into Chris Crock over this motherfucker. You people, and when I say you people, I mean the majority of the MMA community can't let Kevin Lee... Uh, exist without so many backlash. So that wasn't even a coherent thought. I'm just so angry about the Daniel Nixon situation. Kevin Lee said, "Congratulations on your." I'm paraphrasing the tweet, by the way. I'm not going to read it verbatim, but he said, "Congratulations on the tweet. It's a shame that you couldn't fight someone uh, who came, who would come forward and willing to wrestle." Obviously, he's talking about himself, and obviously. He's doing what every fighter should do, which is to have supreme confidence in themselves. People are talking about his unchecked ego and that he uh, is is arrogant. Yeah, he's in a profession where you have to have supreme confidence in yourself. I love that about Kevin Lee. I love that he's so unapologetically himself. And I love that even though he has had losses... Uh, to people that wouldn't hold a candle to Habib, he still thinks he can beat him because that is the kind of guy he is and he knows that styles make fights and he has the ability to wrestle very well. I don't know, man. I just think, you know, why aren't, why aren't we checking Nate Diaz, huh? Hey, fucking Nate Diaz is fucking weak ass, tweeted white belt, 
after the thing. He loves to say that, dude. He loves to say that. He loves to say, none of these guys know jujitsu. Hey, Nate, you're not the only one who knows jujitsu, you fucking dummy. You fucking idiot, uh, Nate Diaz. I almost said Kevin Lee. Nate Diaz, so stupid, man. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't. Shay's about to scalp me, but fucking Nate Diaz is so trash. Why are we checking Kevin Lee? Why aren't we checking Kevin Lee? Why is the MMA community seemingly not able to handle a brash black man? I said it. That's why I said it. I said it. Why are we letting Nate Diaz think he's the best fighter on the planet when he's had 20 losses, dude? Y'all make me sick sometimes. And if, you, and if you're checking them both, good, good for you. That's fine. But I, I'm not seeing any sort of consistency in this. And I thought, personally, Kevin Lee's tweet was fine. He said some nice things about Khabib, and he said it's a shame we couldn't fight. Hey, man. He's a competitor. They want to fight. Uh, that's it. About to get so worked up over fucking stupid tweets. But anyway, leave Kevin Lee alone. Don't leave Nate Diaz alone. <laughs> or Nate Diaz needs to leave himself alone. And uh, I'll end this segment by saying uh, you all need to go listen to Best Camp of My Life. Uh, it's it's uh, Fernando Prachas's new podcast. Uh, I fucking love it. It is Well Actually 2.0. Um, that's her old show. It was called Well Actually, a show about MMA and other stuff. And now it's Best Camp of My Life, a show about MMA, kind of. I love it. I love everything about it. It is exactly what Well Actually was, but in a different you know platform, obviously, a different presentation, and um, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. So please support her so that we can continue to have this uh, podcast in our lives. Because situations like this, when I'm going to get so worked up and say something stupid and emotional and uh, just incoherent and uncalled for, quite frankly, um, Fernanda is going to put together a beautiful podcast where she says, this deserves a lot of care. And now we should talk about this. We should see it from this point of view. And we should not get overexcited about it. And then, and then I'll listen to it and I'll become a better person. And so will you. So go listen. Because I said so. Even if you don't listen, click download and hit play so that it counts. Okay? No, but for real, you'll love it. Just you'll love it. So anyways, go listen to it. Boom. The forum starts now. What used to be the longest uh, segment on this podcast and is quickly becoming the shortest segment. I wonder why. Before I do the voice questions, I got an awesome DM from Jimmy the Drunk uh, requesting some some fucking scouse words. Some fucking... I'm going to read some fucking words in scouse. Being a cheeky fucking mess. But let's fucking go. I'll do it. So the first word is backpack. Nesquik. Chocolatey cereal. Fried chicken. That's my favorite right there. Fried chicken. A swerve the brassic cobbler. 
probably was terrible, but I love doing it, dude. I'll discuss any fucking day of the week. I've been listening to a lot of um, Poorly Read. Uh, they just finished actually going through the whole Harry Potter series, um, but they um, they do like chapter by chapter like breakdowns and like taking the piss out of the Harry Potter books, and it's so funny. Even if you don't like Harry Potter, you might like it because they actually make fun of it a lot, uh, even though they like it. And they decided that Hermione should have a Scouse dialect. Um, and it's just so funny whenever they read something where it's like, Ron, you fucking cunt. <laughs> it's just so funny. Anyway, much love to, to Jimmy the Drunk. Um, shout out to you and your lady. Um, and we got some voicemails on the FWM hotline. As a reminder, uh, if you ever want to call into the show, you can call uh 213-267-2057 and uh, that will direct you right to a voicemail where you can talk as long as you please uh i don't know if it cuts you off at some point but um, i've got one here that are a couple of minutes long so it's definitely more than a minute like the anchor ones and uh, you can say whatever the fuck you want and i will put it on the show so um here is the first one hey juicy baby it's mma catfish so T-Shitty has five rounds with Max. Gets the ever-living shit be out of him. Two years off due to injury. Comes back against the Korean zombie. And the vast majority, in fact, I think everyone but Smokey J was like, Korean zombie's going to murder him, and then he's going to go beat Volk, and he's going to be the champ. And then guy who is predominantly a grappler who lost almost all the fights he won until they won beats the shit out of Korean zombie on the feet so I guess what I'm here to say is after 10 rounds of Volkanovski beating Max two fight decisions that are wins I don't care how much people want to dream and pretend that Max really won those fights. He didn't. He fucking lost. When are people going to put some respect on Volkanovski's name? Also, I totally get that my question involves MMA math, which is a bunch of bullshit. But I'm just saying, everybody just respects the shit out of that guy. And Max had 10 rounds over two fights and couldn't beat him. And people that couldn't beat Max look really good against other people. So, like, that bolsters Volkanovski's case. I really look forward to the guy having the title defense against someone else and hope that he just murders whoever it is just so that people will feel stupid. N-F-M-P. F-M-P indeed. You don't know what that means? It means fuck Mike Perry. And uh, that's uh, MMA Catfish, a.k.a. Tat Daddy. <laughs> and his uh, his new podcast, Catfishing with the Tat Daddy, is hilarious. And he always ends at FMP as well. <laughs> Seth, you got to realize, uh, Ryan Ortega was never a slouch on the feet. Uh, he just fought better strikers than him. And yeah, he was losing those fights on the feet. Um, except for the Frank Yeager fight. We won't talk about that one, though. Um, but 
the like Moicano fight, yeah, he was losing until he got that guillotine. Cup Swanson won. I mean, that was quick, but Cup Swanson was definitely winning on the feet. But he took this two-year layoff, um, almost two years, I say, and he really used it to work on his striking. My God. And people forget that Brian Ortega, before he started learning jiu-jitsu with Henry Gracie, he was uh, – he started training striking. Like he started out kickboxing. Uh, he told a story on um, I think the Big Brown podcast or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, or it might have been when it was still TFATK. I don't know. Don't listen to Brendan Shop anymore. He's terrible. Um, but – uh, he went on there with Henner and told a story about how he was, um, when he was like a little kid, he was training kickboxing. I don't say a little kid. Like, I think he got like, I think it was all the way up until he was like 12 or 13. He was kickboxing, he even had, I think some sort of like amateur title as a kid. Um, and then, um, he got into a street fight with this 18 year old for some reason. And the 18 year old would just like, like Brian would like beat him up on the feet and then the 18-year-old would just like get him in a headlock and he couldn't do anything about it. And the dad watched the fight and he was like, here, look at me. This is what you have to do. And like played the tape of UFC 1 where they were training jiu-jitsu and he was like, uh, or they were, you know, showcasing jiu-jitsu. And he was like, we have to go down the street to the, the Gracie gym and we have to learn jiu-jitsu. And then so that's kind of where he became this phenom. So it wasn't out of nowhere. And he always was working with his boxing coach, James Larson. I don't know what genius turned him into a kickboxer but that was fucking incredible and i have to say uh during fight week uh i was back on the tcd train something about it was like i'm feeling it i'm feeling it and i definitely didn't give him uh a much of a chance before that i was like oh koreans i was gonna kill this dude um but uh it wasn't just smoky j there was a few of us okay but yeah smoky j was the loudest voice so he gets the most props um I guess I don't have much to say about that other than, um, yeah, I will never um, put respect on Volkanovski's name. Max did win those fights. Well, um, Volkanovski won the first one, I will say. Um, and it's not a dream. It's a reality. Go back and watch that second fight. Max won. I don't give a shit, dude. Max won that fight. Truth. It's the homie Mick Stone Man here. Going to leave the takes in the DM. But I want to know where you rank. How did... All time. I don't even have him in the top five in the GOAT conversation. I hate the GOAT conversation. But if I'm going to have the GOAT conversation, to be, he's not even in the top five, man. Like, I, I'm too worked up. I don't, I don't want to say the things I say in the DMs, uh, on the podcast, but, uh, I got him top ten, like, eight or nine greatest all time. In terms of lightweight greatest all time, eh, maybe second. Maybe two. You know, there's always Sean Shirk. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. That ending, yo. There's always Sean Shirk. <laughs> you stop it right now, sir. Uh, Jesus Christ. Um, here's how I rank Habib. And I, I'll be completely honest with you. Um, I do have him in the top five in terms of all-time greats. But I don't know necessarily where he falls in that top five because 
I, like you, hate the GOAT conversation. It is fucking pointless. Everyone has different criteria. Uh, and people usually do it by, like, number of title defenses. And if you uh, fail for PEDs, you're out of the running. As if, like, everyone in the early days wasn't doing all the PEDs. Like, come on. Even even your, even Hoist Gracie did fucking PEDs, yo. Even the guy that was like, oh, Jiu-Jitsu is about the smaller man winning. He did fucking PEDs against Sakuraba. So shut the fuck up. Like... I don't know. I definitely get bullish about PEDs now that we have USADA, uh, but and like I would definitely disparage John Jones for te- testing positive for fucking Terinabol and uh, whatever the first thing he tested positive for was uh, Clomiphene, whatever the fuck. Anyway, he shouldn't have done that. But to if to look back on someone's legacy and discredit it because of PEDs doesn't necessarily get you anywhere because they all fucking did PEDs. Unless you're GSP. Honestly, GSP is like the only one. Like, whenever I, I, people talk about the guy, I just say GSP because he's fucking clean as a whistle. He dominated everybody. Um, I don't care what anyone says. He won that Johnny Hendricks fight. People get fucking big mad about it because Johnny Hendricks did, did a little bit more damage. But GSP won on points and you can shut the fuck up. Uh, Anderson Silva obviously is up there. Dimitri Johnson is obviously up there. Um, but yeah, for me, it's it's got to be Khabib. Is that five? So again, in no order, GSP, Demetrius Johnson, Anderson Silva, uh, John Jones, and Khabib. There we go. Um, but again, interchangeably. Interchangeably so. Um, I just realized I didn't include Daniel Cormier. Wow, that's disrespectful of me because I love DC. Um, yeah, fuck it. John Jones is out. DC is in. How about that? <laughs> But here's this is the fucking problem exactly. Like, why? There's no rhyme or reason to these lists. There's no rhyme or reason to the GOAT conversation. There's no fucking uh, way. You can't look at what Habib has done and say he's not the best of his time in his current weight division, at least. Like, he didn't lose, like, what's one round against Connor? Did he win all the rounds against Tebow? I mean, some people think Tebow won that fight. He had to have lost at least one round, right? I don't know. But he, he fucking basically showed no weakness. You know, like, regardless of what you think of his style, if you think it's just wrestling heavy and that someone who's a better wrestler could, could beat him, but, like, they didn't. They didn't. 29 men tried. 29 men failed. What are you going to do? <laughs> am, I, am I sad that uh, Khabib uh, walked away undefeated? Yeah, I am. Because... I like seeing greatness fall because I love chaos and I'm a piece of shit. If Gaethje would have knocked him out, even though I now hate Gaethje, I would have been fucking celebrating. Maybe not. Like I said, if Habib, I said this on the bonus episode and I, I, I think I said it on online as well. Um, if Habib had lost his father and his title in the same year, that would be absolutely heartbreaking. And I would have, I would have uh, been really sad for him. But just in terms of in that moment, if you just, encapsulating that moment to see someone achieve complete greatness and then be just knocked off the mountain in an emphatic fashion that's goddamn exciting to watch uh but it didn't happen that's my point it didn't happen so habib is an all-time great where where you rank him is up to you and your own criteria uh he's definitely the best lightweight of all time come on dude sean truck ain't shit yo (laughs) jesus Although, if B- I will say this. If BJ Penn had stopped fighting, uh, 
Like whenever the last win he got was, if he had stopped fighting then, he would have had a case for best lightweight of all time. And now he just looks like a guy that loses bar fights. Oh, so sad. Hey, Keith, Mr. Man, calling in. Second call, because I forgot to say, Lauren Murphy beat Valentina Shevchenko. I don't know why. I don't know how. It can't happen. It probably won't, but you heard it here first, motherfucker. <laughs> you know something? I don't hate that. As much as I shit on Laura Murphy in my initial thing, uh, initial opening, uh, I don't hate him saying Laura Murphy beats Valentina, even though he said it probably won't happen, but you heard it here first. I don't mind someone wanting to be the first one to say that just in case like Valentina slips on a banana peel. Because like, like that's the thing about the Habib Gaethje fight. Uh, I, I talked about this on the on the on the bonus episode as well with Leo. Like, to me, it's so boring to just pick a dominant fighter. Like, saying John Jones is going to win is so boring to me because he always wins. So it's not even based on any sort of analysis. So much as it's just like, yeah, he's always going to fucking win. Like. People have tried many different things and they've all felt. So let's just accept that and say he's going to win. That's boring. I watch MMA for the unpredictability. I want to see something crazy happen. I want to see lightning in a bottle. And uh, that's the same way with Habib. Like, you know what he's going to do and no one can stop it. And that's great to watch. Like, I've ne- as far as the fights themselves, I've never said Habib is a boring fighter. I've never said any of his fights are boring. He fucking just smashes people and it's terrifying and it's great to watch. But as far as the buildup, it's fucking boring. It's fucking boring to, to, to just say like he's gonna win. So sometimes I end up just picking against him just for the fun of it. But even that is still just it just feels like fruitless. Like why, you know? Uh, which is why I don't fucking pick with who I think is gonna win. I pick who I want to win because that's how fucking sports are supposed to be. Anyone who ha- dies on a hill of picking with their brain but is also a fan of a football team that loses year after year after year, eat my dick. <laughs> eat my dick. Uh, just kidding. I love you guys. Don't eat my dick. I would not like that. So that concludes the uh, voicemails from the FWM hotline. The hotline bling. You'll never hear me say that again. That was stupid. Um, but now, now let's hear from the, uh, the anchor voice messages. These are, these are great. These are fire as always. Like I said, a little light, but they're fire, the ones we do have. Juice. Stipe on my photo. You know, I had to chime in on oh, Habib's victory. You know, it's bittersweet. You know, the retirement afterwards. I actually told my buddy that was probably going to happen, and he kind of called me crazy, but he was also going for Gaethje, so he was obviously feeling a little crazy today, too. But I have to say... A lot of people are going to say it, but that that's GOAT certified right there. There was more hype for Gaethje being able to beat Khabib than anybody else, in my opinion. More than Connor, more than anything like that. And Khabib went out there and put on a performance that nobody else was able to against Justin Gaethje. He stood with him toe-to-toe, beat him up a little bit, and then went to the ground where he's the best to ever do it. And showed that he deserves that GOAT status and that number one pound-for-pound pound ranking. Yeah, dude. Uh, you're right. 
like I said, there's nothing I can do to to dispute that. It's all facts. Um, and I and I, I think um, I'm going to quote Hamilton here. Um, I hope that we will view Khabib's career with indulgence. Uh, but we'll look back on it and just, and just realize that he was an unstoppable force in an era when uh, you know MMA was evolving in such a way um, that even his most basic approach still was incredibly fucking successful. So, love that for him. And speaking of viewings, uh, view of viewings, of viewing Habib's career with indulgence, uh, the homie Ty has a great question about that. Juice, what's up? Ty Fly Guy 15 here. I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite Habib Nurmagomedov moment of all time? With him retiring, it's just kind of sad. So I just want to hear what you have to say about the Eagle. Have a good one. Yes, dude. This guy's awesome. And I love his name, Ty Flyguy15. For some reason, when I glance at it quickly, um, the the one looks like a two, and I think it's 25. And when I see fly, and I, I think it's like a flyweight. Um, so for some reason, I imagine he's like a flyweight. I don't know why that's really funny to me. Like not in terms of, I'm not trying to say he's like short or whatever, but like I, I think in terms of like being a, I think the flyweight is one of my favorite divisions. Like I just think he's like a badass in that way. Um, like I imagine him being like a secret training partner of Demetrius Johnson. Anyway, <laughs> that's just how my stupid high brain works. Um, I'm not high right now, but sometimes I, when I look at it, I am. Um, my favorite Habib moment. So uh, I'll, I'll give you two. So I watch MMA for the outside of the cage stuff as much as I do the in cage stuff. And um, one of my favorite Habib moments outside the cage was they did a video with him where he was like review, like doing like one sentence reviews on movies for some reason. It was so funny. And the only one I can remember is they showed uh, the movie. They showed him the movie. And when I say he did movie reviews and they showed him the movie, he didn't watch the fucking movie. It was just like the poster or the cover of the DVD or whatever. So they just showed him this movie like, what are your thoughts on this movie? And they they put up um, Never Been Kissed. <laughs> and by the way, I'm pretty sure he's seen none of these movies. So he looks at the poster or whatever, and it's obviously Drew Barrymore in her prime, looking like a snack. And Habib is like, why nobody kiss her? She's not bad. I would kiss her. <laughs> and it just made me laugh really hard. Um, and my favorite um, sort of out of the cage, but also in cage moment was his fight with Al. Because like just that whole fight week was the most insane fight week in UFC history. I don't think anyone has yet to top it. Because you had uh, the the Saturday or the Sunday before the fight. I can't remember which. Maybe it was kind of like an overlap into both. Tony pulls out. Tony slips on a cord. And when I say pulls out, he had to pull out because of injury. He slips on a cord or whatever at the Fox lot and tweaks his knee. Blows out his, his MCL or whatever happened. And they now announced it on April Fool's Day, so people didn't believe it at first, but they had to be like, it's not April Fool's, we don't do that, this is not a thing, this is definitely real. Tony's out of the fight, in steps Max Holloway, the sitting 145-pound champion at the time. I was like, fuck yeah, dude, we're going to get to see Max. Like, obviously, Tony and B is a fight I want to see more than any other fight in history. Um, 
And even if the, like there's a bunch of people that are like, oh yeah, if you see Tony got like fucking mounted by Kevin Lee and he got up over by Danny Castillo and you don't think like he'll ever beat Khabib, it still would have been an exciting fight to watch. You know what I mean? It still would have been very exciting to watch. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Um, we're never going to see that fight and we just have to make peace with it. Uh, Incepts Max Holloway. And you're like, oh my God, the fucking 145-pound champ. Max Holloway was going to do work against him. Although the whole week, uh, he was like overweight because he had an ankle injury. He was supposed to fight Frankie. Um, he was... He was hitting passing. He was looking slow. I was fucking worried. Thankfully, he couldn't make weight. Um, and when I say that, I think the doctors stopped him. Like, he was deemed medically unfit. Insteps Ally Aquinta. And there was, like, a whole period for, like, a couple of hours where every lightweight that was on the card was, like, vying for that spot. They were trying to throw Pettis in there as, like, a former champion. And and I think he was the highest ranked at the time. I'm not sure. Um Habib called out Pettis when he was the champion in like a really funny way one time. He was like, what are you going to fight me? 22 Ando. You don't know who I am. And Pettis was like, young man, I'm trying to do my press conference. Get the fuck out of here. It was really great. Um, but Pettis couldn't make championship weight because he didn't have enough notice. He he was supposed to fight Kiesa. That fight was off because of Connor's Dolly incident, whatever. Kie- uh, Pettis couldn't make championship weight. Felder had made championship weight, I think. But they didn't want him fighting because he wasn't ranked at the time, which was so dumb. Or he was like number 13 or whatever it was. So dumb. Al weighed in at 155.2 with his underwear on. And they were like, no, he didn't make championship weight. We can't make this title fight. He fucking pulls out his underwear in front of the commission. I'm not saying he was stripped naked or whatever. He came in holding in the wear, wearing other clothes or whatever. And he was like... Let's weigh my underwear. I guarantee it weighs 0.2 ounces. If I'd known I was you know, fighting for a title, I would have taken them off. I would have weighed it in 155. They approve the fucking fight. And we get, the day before the fight, we get a little mini press conference. And uh, Al is just sitting there like, let's fucking go. And Habib is like, doesn't matter. Godzilla, Yaquinta, Connor, this guy, that guy, Tony Ferguson, Max Holloway. I fight all of them. This is business. I have to fight for the title. I have to do this. In that moment, I was like, you know, Khabib, I respect the shit out of you. Because as much as it was uh, like daunting for Ally Quinta to take that on uh, short notice, and he was preparing for a three-rounder, it was as amazing for Khabib to take all those opponents and just keep his eyes on the prize. He agreed, So he agreed to all those fights, and he, he stepped in against Al. And I, let me tell you, I was in that arena— and that's why I followed it so closely because I had tickets. I was like, this is going to be the biggest fucking MMA event ever, like Tony versus Khabib. And then it was Max versus Khabib. You know, I just told the story. I was in that arena like, this is fucking magic. Uh, Khabib was like all over him and Al was evading the takedowns. He was popping back up. He was letting Khabib jab him. He was countering. Uh, that's Even though Al lost, obviously, that was like Al's best performance. And then maybe the rematch with Kevin Lee. Um that was something special that night, you know? And then Habib uh, on the mic kind of ruined it almost. He said something that was really funny. He was like, this is real Brooklyn gangster. Respect to Yaquinta. This is real Brooklyn gangster. And I was like, hell yeah. And then he goes, I want to fight George St. Pierre. And I was like, no, dude, stop calling out a retired Walter Wade. And stop making uh, Walter Wade come to you. You just go to Walter Wade, you fuck. Anyway, 
Uh, I said I, I wouldn't be negative more about Khabib. Let's view his career with indulgence. Thank you for your question, Ty. It was a great question. What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Juice and all you fucking juice heads. Hope everybody's doing good. Um, question for you this week is, uh, Robert Whitaker. It's him and Stylebender next, I guess, right? Unless Stylebender moves up for something. Which I don't see that happening, to be honest. I see Dana asking him to fight Whitaker. But, uh, hey, that's my question for you, man. Who's next for Whitaker? I think it's a, it's a title shot. Like, who else is it? You know what I mean? Anyways, keep up the great work, bud. I love the show. You know, it's always 420, kids. Peace. Okay, Jim, this is a great question. Thank you for the question. You're the man, as always. Uh, you guys got to go follow Jim if you haven't. Listen, in my opinion, as far as who's next for the middleweight strap, it has to be Robert Whitaker. There is no one else. However, Rob winning instead of Kenner leaves the door open for Izzy to go up to 205, at least temporarily. Come on. He said he would fight Jan. Jan said he would fight him. That's the fight to make right now, dude. There is no clear-cut 205 contender either. Unless there is, and I'm missing it. Maybe the winner of uh, Santos and Glover. But is that fight still going on? I don't fucking know. Shit is falling out left, right, and center these days. Either way, leaves that fight open. Because you can do that fight anytime. The history is there. And with Rob being uh, you know, a former champion, it's not like... He's made to wait for his first tile shot. Like, you're the contender now. You can wait. You can wait. You can let Israel do his thing and uh, go fight Jan. And then he'll be a fucking, I hate to say it, he'll be a champ champ. <laughs> hate that phrase. Um, double champ. Chomp, chomp. Anyway, dude. Definitely. Definitely want to see Izzy versus Jan. That's the fight to make, dude. I don't care if that makes me sound stupid. I really don't care if anything makes me sound stupid, really. That's my brand. Hey there, Juice. Fighting with myself. It's fucking Smokey J here. Ah, Habib, man, the dude fucking did it. That was about as wholesome and heartwarming as fucking watching a dude get choked unconscious can get. Um, fucking storybook ending to a fucking storybook career. Uh, the dude retired an absolute legend. Um, fucking other big fights though, man. Fucking how good was Brian T. City Ortega? Fucking the whole world had counted that motherfucker out and he showed up and fucking put on the performance of a lifetime. I could say the same about Rob fucking Whitaker, man. That dude shut Cannoneer down. Um, my question for you is, apart from fucking Brian Ortega's hair, what stuck out to you the most out of those fucking couple of fights? That's all, dude. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, man, Smokey J, thank you so much for your questions all the time. I want to read his um, the title of his message. Sometimes I don't read the titles, or most of the time I don't, but sometimes I do. 
because um, it just I can hear it in his voice and it's so funny. He's like, bit me tongue earlier on munchies and feel a bit lispy. <laughs> I didn't hear a lisp once. So that was so funny. <sighs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. Brian Ortega completely shutting down Korean Zombie was a thing of beauty. That That was absolutely... On these two fight cards, that was the most surprising thing, including Habib retiring. That was the most interesting and exciting thing and unsurprising thing, really. And here's the thing. They're simply saying Korean Zombie didn't show up. You're wrong. He did show up. I think Brian beat the best version of Zombie, or at least the best version on that night. Obviously, it's not the best version we've seen because we've seen Zombie look better, but Brian made him look bad with his game plan. So yeah, uh, has to be Brian and Rob beating Cannoneer while may have surprised half the timeline, didn't really surprise me. And uh, it still was an amazing fight. Like Cannoneer didn't have like zero success or whatever. Um, apparently he dropped him. I f- During the third round, my stream was bugging and I didn't see it. Um, but, Can- but Whitaker beat the shit out of him, dude. He really did. It was, it was a fucking great fight. And it makes me wish, to be honest, and I think this, well, I don't know. Um, it still probably would have favored Rob, but if it was a five-rounder, like maybe Cannonier has an extra two rounds to catch him, I don't know. Uh, but even before, like it just felt like that needed a headline of fight night. It was scheduled to. The, the one in London and then another one in Dublin, uh, which both of them got shut down. So, shit. Anyway, love you, bro. Hey, Juicy Juice. It is Gina from G-Spot MMA and the WOCAS. I know you're a big Kevin Lee fan, but a lot of us didn't like what he said after Khabib retired. How do you feel about what he said? And how do you feel about the haters just having shit to say about Khabib's retirement? I think people need to just have boundaries and kind of just let the man celebrate retirement and whatnot before we turn into online trolls. But what are your thoughts on that and also do you think conor mcgregor although he said something nice do you think he's eventually going to say something pretty shitty about khabib so pretty much how do you feel about haters that jump online and just start talking about a good deed or a good fight right away love you love the show and you know what i'm about to say i'll see your ass in a while i look forward to that every time g sends a message I sent it when I, I sent her uh, a message for the Wocast. I was like, "See y'all in the wild." I couldn't I couldn't do it without laughing. That's so great. See you in the wild, bro. Love it. Um, and 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 thank you for for bringing this up again because I I ranted about Kevin Lee in the news section and I didn't get to put together any sort of coherent thought. Um, and now that I've sort of let that simmer, I want to say this because if you took issue with with what Kevin Lee had to say, that is understandable i realize that i view it from a biased perspective i'm always going to give kevin lee the benefit of the doubt because i am a big kevin lee fan and i realize he says some dumb shit sometimes but i view it differently and whilst he did give sort of like a backhanded compliment to habib I think people are focusing on the backhanded nature and not the compliment itself. Because it's not like he said, it's not like he just went online right away and was like, wow, can't believe you're ducking me. That, that's what people are acting like, dude. 
he said, Congrat-, and again, paraphrasing, he was like, congratulations on the great career, great fight. Uh, it's a shame we couldn't have fought. I think that was more fr- from his perspective of being a competitor and being sad that he never got to step in there with him. I don't think he was throwing shade. I don't think he's trying to diminish his accomplishments. And you forget that they're in the same business where they, their job is to fight each other. He's saying, I want to fight you. Like, and let's not forget as well. This is, and this is very important to me and why I view it this way. Kevin Lee has been calling out Habib his entire UFC career. Way well before he was in title contention. Kevin Lee thought he would be the guy to be Habib. I respect the hell out of him for that. And I don't care if you think it's silly. That's it. But to answer your question, G, first of all, let's talk about Connor. Uh, I didn't, I've muted him. I didn't even see whatever tweet you're saying where he praised uh, Habib. But you alluded to it. There is no way he doesn't say something shitty in the coming weeks, whether it's in an interview, whether it's in another tweet, whether it's in another video where he's saying fear the rematch or some bullshit. Uh, I could not believe he highlighted his illegal strike and said it was innovative. What a fucking clown this guy is. Like, Leo and I alluded to this in the bonus episode. We were fans of him. Like, if you weren't a fan during his early run, like, up to the Aldo fight, you were either just a big Aldo fan, or you're a fucking hater. He was exciting. He was charismatic. He was calling his shot. He was putting away elite fighters in, like, first round, second round. And then he got to be shitty, and then we found out he's an even shittier person. And so, yeah, if you're a Conor fan now, you're a fucking clown. Um, I I just don't know how else you can look at it. I don't know how else you can look at the things he says and uh, the fights he takes. You know, taking a cowboy coming off of stoppage losses at 170 as if it's for like lightweight contention and now uh, rematching Poirier at 170 for a number one contenders fight at 155. It's a laughing stock. He makes our sport look like a fucking circus. And sometimes I like the circus aspect of MMA. Fight circus that happened in Thailand a few years ago with Full Metal Dojo. I, I said years ago, months. With Full Metal Dojo. That shit is great. But this is the pinnacle. This is the UFC. This is about putting our sport in a, in a positive light. And he's making it look like a fucking shit show. He is a shit show. He is shit. Like if it was a, this is the McGregor show. This is the shit show. You're shit. I'm convinced McGregor means shit in Gaelic. Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's two, there's three certainties in life. Death, taxes, and Connor will be a piece of shit eventually, even if he says some nice things. Uh, Yeah, haters. Here's the thing, dude. Hey, hey, let's talk about this. Hey, let's talk about if you took issue with Kevin Lee's tweet and you were in his mentions chatting shit to him, you're part of the problem. You're no better than he is. I don't know. I don't know. This uh, this last uh, few months has made me feel that I don't belong in the MMA sphere because I think of things so differently and I, and I, I just feel like I can't hang anymore. That's why I did the theater podcast because it's all positive it's all 
positive. I don't have to talk about anything negative. There's no fuckery to talk about. I just get to be, um, just get to be a fan of, of of something beautiful, and I get to share it with the world. And that's what I wanted this podcast to be. But we can't have nice things in MMA. We just we just can't. Hey, Juice, what's going on? Sorry, before I play this guy's question, I forgot to say, please listen to the Wellcast. G and Mike do an amazing job. And Kairos and Chisanga Malata on Shots Fired, the the midweek podcast. I think it comes out on Thursdays now. Um, it's absolute fire. You have to check it out. So now I'm going to restart this guy's question because he's the man. Hey, Juice, what's going on, brother? You know I love you. Um, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on Khabib's dodgy-ass weigh-in, on his outstanding performance, and uh, his retirement speech. Do you think he'll stay retired? And uh, what's next for the division? I hope everyone has a great weekend. Be nice to each other. Bye-bye. Yes, dude. More of that. More of being nice. We need that. Normalize kindness. Um, that was uh, the homie Decrons, if you didn't know. Um, so go uh, go give him a follow. And, um, you know, I have some thoughts about that weigh-in. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, though I will say this, before I say anything, now now that the fight took place, could be dominated and he retired, it seems incredibly petty and not productive to talk about the weigh-in. But at the time, I had a lot to say. Uh, well, not a lot, uh, because I think my my take at the time was ultimately like, Look, I'm thankful that we're getting this fight and that Michael Chandler isn't sliding in here. Um, because, like, I'm glad they had Michael Chandler as a backup, or at least they had a backup in general. Um, if, let's say, like, one of them had a bad weight cut to the point of they had to be hospitalized or there was an injury or a COVID test, I'm glad that there was a contingency plan in place. But if that was if that contingency plan was implemented off of a mishap with the scale, I would have been incredibly disappointed. But let's talk about what happened. If you didn't watch the video, uh, Habib steps on the scale and the thing right quickly uh, they, they put the slider and they don't even let it balance before they just declare he made weight. And Habib looks relieved as fuck. So that to me looks like a pretty clear indication that he was in danger of not making weight. He thought he was not going to make weight. Uh, however, um, Juan Adams came out and made a tweet that said, you know, with these weigh-ins, you have to weigh in on a digital scale in the back before you step on the old school scale. However... Uh, I feel like in in this situation, um, I think I'm pretty sure because it's um, an overseas fight, I don't think there's an actual commission in Abu Dhabi. The UFC is self-regulated. Um, when they when they fight in other parts of Europe and things like that, where there's no athletic commission, they uh, implore the services or employ the services rather of Mark Ratner, um, who's always around anyway. It's not like he only does this but you know mark radner is like the head of um he's like the vp of regulatory affairs something like that he uh who by the way helped create the unified rules of mma mark radner is like an og um he does the regulation for the ufc and then that whole team you know so they're self-regulated in that sense and i don't know if that procedure took place but it seems again incredibly petty to say that when a we have no proof um, that that he didn't do that, and B, 
it, it would seem that either way the fight happened. Uh, but in terms of just uh, what took place after the fight, I was very happy for Khabib when he just that 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 moment where he's just on his knees in the octagon crying, and Gaethje comes up to console him, and uh, you know after the fact he said he didn't get a chance to offer his condolences about his father, and uh, just Gaethje just being a just a overall cool guy. Like I said, I'm I'm kind of a hater of his right now, but. That was very good of him and nothing but class in that moment, which is what you love to see. And Habib had a beautiful speech, I must say. It really was, um, you know, about his father and talking with his mother, getting her to let him do this one last fight. Uh, you know, big, big fan of that. So uh, overall, this was, a, you know, chalk this up to the all-time MMA feel-good moments. I'll say that. And that almost wraps up the forum because no one else sent in any other questions except our girl Brat MMA. And um, I think we're going to call this um, section Brat's Corner from now on because she was the only one who uh, had anything to say in the forum. We actually, um, she sent in one for last week as well. And I uh, was planning on doing them together, but Leah was like, let's do it. Let's do the question. I was like, okay. Um, and it was actually a really good question about um, Andraj and Valentina. So go listen to the bonus episode to hear more from, from her. But um, Brat uh, has a great question. And it says, how do you rank Gaethje's performance against Khabib compared to Iaquinta, Connor, and Dustin? Was this Khabib's easiest title fight? You know, that is a great question. And again, um, I do think what Typo My Photo had to say about Gaethje being the toughest test on paper, I think that holds true. I think as far as like the hype around it and and um, the danger and the skill set that Gaethje presents was his toughest test, but it didn't look that way. If you're talking about what actually took place, uh, Iaquinta did the best because he went to distance. Uh, but, you know, circumstances, short notice, that sort of thing. Um so besides that, Connor did the best because he won that one round and it went to the fourth round, whereas with Dustin, it, he got finished in the third round. So it's 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 sort of weird because all we have to view is what actually took place. And um, this was meant to be Habib's toughest test, but in terms of, again, what actually transpired, it was his easiest fight because... Outside of some leg kicks, Justin didn't have much success, and Habib was able to still get him down. He was still able to uh, – he almost got an armbar in the first round. Um, GH defended beautifully. Uh, but then the second round, like I said, that triangle was nasty. Uh, he slid in the mount very easily both times in the first round and the second round. And then to get that mounted triangle, again, is just fucking disrespectful. And I say that in like a good way towards Habib, like – so disrespectful to get a mounted triangle. We need more of them. It's honestly one of my favorite submissions. The best mounted triangle submission, and when I say best, I also mean like the nastiest, is um, Damian Maya over Ed Herman. Go go and watch that fight if you haven't. When Damian Maya used to fight at 185, he wrapped that motherfucker up, was also cranking on the armbar, okay? Uh, it wasn't just the, the triangle. He was cranking on the armbar. It, it was like it was like a three stoppages in one. He has the triangle. Ed Herman starts to go out from the triangle, but because he's so tough and didn't tap, 
not only is Damian Maya cranking the armbar, but he's also punching him. And that's ultimately what got the ref to stop the fight. So not only you had a fucking, he got choked out. He also was about to get submitted from the mounted armbar triangle. And then he got a fucking, basically a TKO as well, because that shit was bloody as fuck. The nastiest finish I've ever seen. Wow. Vintage Damian Maya was a fucking beast. I also think he had like a weird mullet in that fight. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's hard to quantify that, Hannah, because it, it should have been his hardest fight, but it wasn't. And and so when you when you look at the what actually took place, it was his easiest title fight. Um, like that was just complete dominance. It really was actually, if you if you think about it, it, it was a perfect encapsulation of his career. Um, the only other thing that uh, I think could have been uh, a great encapsulation of his career would have been the fucking Barboza fight because he just. And I'm pretty sure that was in Vegas before they implemented the new 10-8 rule on the judging where they're supposed to get more liberal 10-8s. And I think he got like three 10-8s in a row or two 10-8s at least. He just fucking smashed Barboza. He walked forward. He ate those wheel kicks in the third round. Um, <laughs> he's a special fighter. I, I hate to give him credit because he says some some pretty fucking disrespectful things towards women and, and uh, supports a nasty dictator who commits many human rights violations but at the same time he's a great fighter and that's it ladies and gentlemen for the forum so now let us look forward to next week's card uh uriah hall versus anderson silva all right so i'm not going to talk about the whole card but there are some some uh fun fights on the prelims that i want to highlight um we got courtney casey going back to flyweight uh and she's fighting my God, they still have Priscilla Cachoeira in the UFC. That has to be a mistake. That has to be a mistake. Maybe it's like a Milton situation from Office Space. Like they mailed her the papers and she just never got the memo. And there's like a glitch in the system where she's like still on the roster. And they're like, yeah, okay, fine. Fight Courtney Casey. Like that has to be a mistake. Priscilla Cachoeira should not be in the UFC. Um, so look for Courtney Casey to beat the fuck out of her, to be honest with you. And also surprisingly still in the UFC is Justin Ledette. Um fighting someone I've never heard of, Justin, uh, sorry, Dustin Jacoby. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't even know who wins that, but I just want to say Justin Ledette should not be in the UFC. I'm such a hater. Uh, good to see that Sean Strickland is on the UFC, um, finding up a middle way. He's going to take on Jack. I look after my eyebrows, Marshman. Um, I say that because he did a great interview with um, Luke Thomas once where Luke Thomas is like, you got some good eyebrows, my man. And he goes, I'll look after him. <laughs> I thought it was really funny. And that thick Welsh dialect. Like, I'll look after him. Uh, and the last fight in the prelims is Chris Gritzmacher versus Alexander Hernandez. And I can't decide uh, which one I like the least because uh, Chris Gritzmacher was annoying as fuck on The Ultimate Fighter. And then he also beat the shit out of Joe Lozon, which made me really sad. So there's that. But then also Alexander Hernandez is kind of a troll and uh, said that Cowboy's performance against Connor made him flaccid. And uh, this is from a guy that Cowboy beat the shit out of. So take a seat, young man. I don't even have a pick for that. I just, you know, take a seat, Alexander Hernandez. Uh, but the main card is fire, actually. We got Bobby Green taking on Chago Moises. And uh, I have to say it every time because I feel like people are still not getting behind this guy. Chago Moises is a fucking phenomenal fighter. 
is a phenomenal grappler. Uh, his helicopter armbar in RFA before they merged with Legacy Fighting Alliance or Legacy Fighting Championship it was LFC to become LFA. It was RFA. It was Resurrection Fighting Alliance, and he fucking had a slick helicopter armbar. My favorite submission. And he's taking on Bobby Green. I've been really high on Bobby Green during these um, COVID cards. And I, I was before. I was always a fan of Bobby Green. But just lately, he's he's seeming like he's finally putting everything together. As long as he doesn't do that Triple H shit at the end, spreading bacteria in a fucking pandemic, um, this should be great. Uh, but uh, I don't know who's going to win. So so just um, don't listen to me if I give you my pick for that. Because it's probably wrong. No matter what I say, it's probably wrong. We got the crochet boss, Maurice Green, taking on Greg, piece of shit, Hardy. Greg, I beat women, Hardy. Um, by the way, uh, I listen to a lot of MMA podcasts, like a lot of them. And there's some people that still think talking about Greg Hardy's athleticism is like something that's still a good point of topic of conversation. And let me just say, shut the fuck up. This guy is a piece of shit. I don't care about redemption stories. I don't care about his ability to earn a living. He's a piece of shit. And whether or not Maurice Green can win, I hope he does. And that's all I care about. We all got to put our chips behind Maurice Green. And if I see any of y'all picking Greg Hardy because you think it's fun to like think with your brain, lose my number. Um, we also have Kevin Holland taking on Mahmoud Muradov. And I hope that uh, Kevin Holland beats the shit out of him because Kevin Holland is exciting as fuck. And again, if you don't like Kevin Holland, lose my number. Uh, and the co-main event for this is actually a really exciting featherweight fight. It's Andre Touchy-Feely taking on Bryce. I'm a Trump supporter, Mitchell. Um, and while I used to be a big Thug Nasty fan, I hope Andre Feely beats the shit out of him. But let's be fair, Bryce is probably going to raw dog him. And I'm going to be really sad. And I'm going to be sad no matter what way the main event ends because you have Uriah Hall, who I was such a big fan of uh, on The Ultimate Fighter. And also uh, he talked about, um, you know, being bullied because uh, of his Jamaican dialect and uh, like, fuck those nasty, stupid trolls, whoever did that to him uh, when he first uh, came to, to this country. Uh, but I, uh, in some ways, I'm thankful for him because that got him into martial arts and now he can fucking basically murder people which is awesome. And he showed really good defense, uh, like jujitsu defense against um, Shoeface. So I'm really thinking he can actually pull out a win here, but I will be sad if he does because he's fighting Anderson Silva, who is like uh, so beloved. And, uh, you know, Anderson Silva losing makes me sad. It just does. Like he shouldn't be f fighting anymore, bro. I think he's going to lead up that he this is going to be his last UFC fight. I hope it is. I hope he doesn't get like an offer from Bare Knuckle Boxing. He's gotten movie offers. Like he's in a few movies. Like do that. Do that. I don't know. I guess that's where I'm going to leave it here. Not a lot of technical analysis on this one, which is not what I'm known for anyway. But sometimes I try and pretend like it is. And I just didn't even try this time. So if you listen to me for that, I'm sorry. But if you do then maybe check out another podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, that's not my thing. Uh, but again, uh, I want to just thank everyone who listened, who, everyone who got this far, but also everyone who listened and shared Breaking the Fourth Wall. Um, there will come a time when this show no longer gives me joy, and there will also come a time when the lack of engagement in the forum and um, the amount of downloads is going to 
dwindle because it already has been, and that might um, motivate me to stop doing it all together. And if that does, breaking the fourth wall will be my new home, and uh, it will be where I share uh, all, all of my thoughts on on everything. So that said, good night and good fights. <laughs>